Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of 8-Bit Suplex here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. I want to, before we get uh, rolling too far here, let you know that, of course, support for the 8-Bit Suplex and all of your shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network are brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And, of course, as always, when you head on over to manscaped.com and use the promo code SUPLEX, you will save 20% on your entire order and get free shipping. So head on over to manscaped.com, promo code SUPLEX, today. Now, whoop, whoop. I, I am happy, and you hear that whoop whoop, because uh, <laughs> no longer can I say my podcast host, co- podcast co-host is in another castle, because she's here ah. right now, uh, and that is the returning Miss Sandy Gaveria. Sandy, Woo! great to see your face. Oh great God. to hear your voice. Great to have you back. Uh, I had to hang out with, with a couple of rad dudes. Uh, but as always, I mean, this is our show. You know, they were keeping Woo! the seat warm. They couldn't replace you. They tried. They did their <laughs> damnedest. But it's great to have you back. Sandy, how are you? I'm good, Josh. That was so sweet. Thank you. But Rich and Dan absolutely killed it. At least we know we can hold the fort down while one of us is away. We'll have we'll have some good backups. Yeah, we had a great podcasting debut out of Dan Coffin, a friend of the show. Um, if you missed that one, go back and check it out. We talked a lot about Batman um, and also, of course, Impact Wrestling, like we do every single week here on this program. Um, and then, of course, yeah, Rich and I had a, a great talk as well, uh, talking about Fire Pro Wrestling, so go back there. Uh, tonight, though, uh, Sandy, we have 
a little bit more impact to get through. So we're going to roll through the impact uh, at a pretty good clip here. Um, and we're also going to celebrate, along with the rest of the world, the 35th birthday uh, or anniversary of the console release of Super Mario Brothers, um, which you may have caught on my lead in there with my little pun. Um, but before we do that, Sandy, why don't you tell the good people uh, what you've been up to? Where, where have you been for two weeks? So, Josh and everyone listening, so I have been out with uh, an also opportunity that was presented to me um, this past month. So I actually got to be an extra on WWE Raw and SmackDown for the next couple of weeks. Pretty exciting. Very grateful for the opportunity. Um, my coach, Jay Lethal, put in a good word for me. And I was able to get that experience and see how the show was put together. And man, it takes a lot of people to put that show together. It takes a lot of manpower. A lot of a lot happens backstage <laughs> that maybe they don't get the credit for when it comes to sure. putting that show together. It's a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving pieces. And I was just kind of blown away by how it all goes down. And I was just very happy to be a part of it. That's awesome. Did you so you know you're you're rubbing elbows, uh, you know, with Vince McMahon. You're pitching ideas. <laughs> you know, you're talking to Paul Heyman. Hey, listen, Paul. Oh like, yeah, you know. totally. But uh, no, I mean, like, did you have any like cool experiences that you can talk about? You know, maybe uh, a wrestler that you were able to talk to, or even just see up close and personal that you have a new respect for. Um, you know what. It was it was really funny. We were in a situation where um, the girls had to share a locker room with an area where uh, some of the male wrestlers had to be. And I kept running into poor Bobby Lashley. And we kept giggling at each other because he would be, you know, I would be getting ready and he's getting ready. And we're like, uh, why is there, why are we in the same locker room right now? And he was just so funny. He was a total sweetheart about it. just laughing like I was. And sure. I was just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me get out of the way. And he's just like, no worries. And I don't know. He was a sweetheart. I definitely, oh man, of course, Asuka and Shinsuke being like my, my favorites for many, many years and just seeing them. I, uh, the very first day I kept accidentally running into Shinsuke Nakamura and I, I thought I was like, wow. oh my God, this man thinks that I am stalking him, but we kept walking in opposite directions to each other. But I was like, oh yeah. my God, oh my God. <laughs> That's and, awesome. That's really said, cool. Everyone was totally sweet. They were cool. There was no bad attitudes. Everyone was just so happy and like trying to be helpful to us extras who had no idea what was going on. And even, of course, the other extras are very, very sweet. I met lots of cool people. I met uh, Controversial uh, Inc., I believe. Oh, my gosh. If I get their, their tag team name wrong, I'm so sorry. But La Brava, she's actually another Colombian uh, wrestler in oh, awesome. I believe she's South Florida really cool and Salazar and Carlos C. So they were all really sweet. And I was very just happy to kind of make those connections, make those friendships. And of course, just soak in all of what was going on. It was really fun. That's awesome. Now, I, I know you've had one episode that you were in air uh, where you were in the, the raw underground and you're, you're very visible in the background, pounding the mat, getting excited. Uh, now you have, another batch of episodes that have yet to air is that correct no no so they actually for raw underground it's the day off that they take care of that okay yeah and so you you also tape for smackdown has that aired already so we're there as extras it doesn't mean that we always get to be used 
Um, so they have, you know, for, for most of the time that I was there, I didn't really get, get to do anything. It was kind of in the background for in case they needed me. I, I did gotcha. get to be on that one Raw Underground uh, episode, but everything else, there was no pre-recordings or anything like that. So they pretty much just bring you in. There's no set plan ahead of time. They just tell you, hey, we need so-and-so for this part that we just need right now. And that's how it works. And it changes. It changes throughout the day. It's pretty pretty insane. Well, that's cool. That's a great experience. And one other question I had, uh, and then we'll get into uh, our, our week in impact here. Uh, did they have a good spread set up for catering or was this like COVID life? We don't, we don't do buffets now. Like what was that kind of scenario? What was, what was kind of like that, you know, once everyone's kind of dressed and kind of waiting around, like kind of well, what's that atmosphere like backstage? Is it still catering? Is it everyone's just chilling in the hallways at, at Amway Center just waiting for someone to tell them, Hey, we need you over here. Uh, catering food is cafeteria style and it was delicious. Very laid back. Just kind of like, Think of it like a work cafeteria. Like, remember, so you would know, Tech Data, yeah, literally yeah. just kind of like that um, at the Amway Center. But, yeah, it's pretty relaxed, pretty chill. I was actually very surprised that, you know, everyone just kind of mingling in, in that same cafeteria-style setting. And the food was delicious. I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I'm very jealous that you had that experience, but I'm also very happy that you were able to do that because – uh, you know, I know as as wrestling fans and as someone that's training to be a wrestler, uh, I'm sure that is, you know, getting getting a taste of seeing what the what the machine looks like just makes you want to go that much more towards it. So, uh, oh my goodness, yeah. so awesome to hear that. Even more awesome to have you back. And you know, it's hey. only fitting that the first match that you talk about when you come back is a knockouts tag team match, Sandy. Yes, we had Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary tagging against Havoc and Nivea, if I'm mm-hmm. saying that correctly. Yes. Now, I'm not too familiar with Nivea's work or Havoc. I think Havoc, I've only really seen her work from the few times we've seen her in Impact. A little bit more familiar with Taya, of course, who wouldn't be familiar with Taya. And then still kind of getting more acclimated with Rosemary. I've seen her stuff in uh, Wrestle House, but not so much wrestling-wise. Uh, sure. But this was our first matchup. Um, what did you think, Josh? I kind of want to see what, what your thoughts are first. So I, first thing that stood out to me was, uh, you know, we see a lot of, uh, especially historically in, in wrestling, a lot of, you know, that kind of undead character or, you know, the demon oh, or this and that. Right. And mm-hmm. for me, somehow Rosemary still finds a way to kind of keep that presentation fresh. Um, I, I like her ring entrance quite a bit. I thought it was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, you know, the really creepy shit, you know, going on on the screen with like the empty wheelchair rolling down the hallway and, and stuff like that. So I thought that her interest was pretty cool. And I, and I only point that out to say, because, uh, you know, AEW of course has Abaddon who is like a zombie type character. And I think her presentation is absolutely awful. Um, and I don't, I don't like it. Um, if you like Abaddon's entrance and Abaddon is a character, that's fine. That's your bag. That's not my bag. But I just want to make sure I clarify that I don't have a problem with doing an undead type character as long as it's presented uh, well and and produced well. Uh, And I think that Rosemary is for the most part. Um, I thought the match, uh, you know, it definitely felt like when Taya and Nevaeh were in the ring, it was a much better match. Um, Havoc is, I I think, still a little bit uh, a little bit slow with some of the moves. Um, but I really, I, and I was actually pleasantly surprised by what I got, what we got out of Rosemary here. Um, 
but you know, uh, ultimately, uh, you know, it was an opening tag match that, you know, that they were finishing the story of, you know, uh, Havoc, uh, beat up Rosemary backstage. So of course, you know, she had to go get tired to help her, uh, fight her battle and, you know, they came out on top here. Oh, you know what, Just while we go through this um, Impact episode, I may need your assistance because I missed a couple of the last couple of weeks. Of course, I haven't gotten a chance sure. to watch Impact. I didn't feel too lost coming in and watching this episode as far as the storylines advancing. I did not know about the attack with Havoc and Rosemary. So that was like, okay, why, why are we having this tag match? Mm-hmm. So that answers my question. Yeah. Um, but to kind of go through that match, I... Like you mentioned, it was it was their opening match, tag match. It wasn't going to be five stars or whatever you want to rate it. It was it was not the best, but I feel like the girls gave it all they had. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. It was it was yeah. I mean, when you talk about anytime you see Ty, I mean Ty is not going to phone it in ever, um, and that's why I think she gets used so much by Impact, and rightfully so. Um, but, you know, I mean, this was a match that, that went just under seven minutes. Um, and, you know, it, it served its purpose. And, you know, I think that yeah. they basically set it up from the top. Like, I think Josh Matthews even says, like, you know, how can Taya and Rosemary finish this feud up? And I'm like, this is the first match in the feud, Josh. Uh, okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but sure. So I think this one's kind of like a one and done. Wipe your hands of it yeah. and, and kind of move on because obviously Taya and Rosemary have the whole Rosemary John Bravo uh marriage angle to continue, which we'll get back uh, into a little bit later in the show. Uh, but then, you know, uh, we get the post-match uh, run-in from Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan uh, to continue their feud with Taya. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting that they did that. I'm not really sure why personally, uh, because Taya went one-on-one against them. I figured with Kira Hogan beating Taya, she would move on to trying to position herself further in the knockouts division. Uh, towards the championship end of things, but instead uh, they're Ooh. coming back up, coming back after Taya. Do you think they're planning on introducing a, a woman's tag title? Well, you know they've had them in the past, um, from what I understand. I think it wouldn't be a horrible decision given the amount of knockouts they have, and they yeah. have a couple of. Um, obvious teams, right? I mean, Tasha and Kira have always been tagging. Havoc and Nevea have been tagging. Uh, Taya and Rosemary, Kylie Ray and Susie, uh, Deanna mm-hmm. and Kimberly. I mean, so there's a lot of uh, crossover, you know, a lot of pairing off uh, that's been happening. So they could, lately, they could do it. I really yeah. think that's what they're teasing. Yeah, they, I mean, I'd, also too, I'd, like, yeah, I'd be down for it. Yeah, something new, something different. Give the girls more more ring time. Yeah, I mean the the, the knockouts division is always going to get screen time on Impact, um, and rightfully so. And if you want to use some of that screen time to tell more than one compelling story about a championship belt, uh, I'm okay with it personally. Oh yeah, I hope they do. So, you know, moving past that one, we get a a, a backstage segment here between uh, you know the Good Brothers, uh, just you know Good Brother and around as they do. Uh, drinking their talking shop brewskis, which we are told by, uh, of course, Doc Gals that they will be available to order online soon. Um, I don't know that I'll be placing an order for a case. Uh, I probably won't. <laughs> uh, but, you know, maybe I will. Uh, maybe I'll order a case uh, to get it here in time. Uh, maybe have a couple people over for a uh, socially distanced viewing of Bound for Glory. 
You never know. I mean, there that's, the kind of, that's the kind of thing you'd get a case of talking shop brewskis for, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but they have a backstage segment here with uh, the Motor City Machine Guns um, where uh, Carl Anderson and Alex Shelley have a uh, pretty lengthy discussion about New Japan Pro Wrestling here. I, to be honest, Josh, I think I may have missed that segment. Okay. So please fill me in. Yeah, no, I mean, they they, uh, they have a discussion basically where Carl Anderson says, oh, you know, you were my young boy and this and that. And actually, he's like, oh, you know what, man, you were always below me in the dojo. Oh. Like, I was way better than you. So, uh, you know, really riling up the good brothers here. And I, I, I think it's the influence of Don Callis here on the product that um, they feel comfortable talking about uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and then also, uh, one of the episodes that you missed, uh, Moose was walking around his, uh, backstage as part of his Moose Chronicles, uh, as I've decided to start calling them. And he <laughs> made, he, he made a phone call to someone that had gotten their title belt stolen, just like he did. And he promised this person on the other end of the phone that, you know, Hey, the next time we uh, see each other, a little bit of the bubbly on me. So I think Don Callis is saying, you know, uh, I can make references to Chris Jericho. I can make references to New Japan Pro Wrestling because I have these relationships. Um, mm. But I just thought it was kind of – Yeah. I mean, you know, when things open up, maybe instead of ROH running shows with New Japan, maybe it's Impact trying to do that. So, uh, And maybe that's why Don Callis is there. Who knows? We'll see what happens as far as that goes. Uh, I think they definitely have the workers in Impact to be able to run with some of those guys. Um but so, you know, we see the good brothers, uh, you know, they're getting a little pissy with the Motor City Machine Guns. Um, and that kind of, you know, we transition from there into uh, Deanna Perrazzo cutting a, you know, a promo with a backstage interview. Um, mm-hmm. Then did you catch this part, Sandy? I did. I did. So we hear um, that Deanna Perrazzo, unknown to her, now has a match Saturday at Victory Road. Uh, against Susie. Susie. So how did this happen? Uh, so Susie found out, right? Or they just they just announced the match. Susie beat Kimberly in a, a singles match, um, and they've been teasing pretty hardcore the past couple weeks that uh, Sue Young is about to reemerge from Susie, um, with Susie using Sue Young's finishing move that you know the panic trigger and, and different things like that. So we'll see kind of uh, as this develops. Um, it might might be an interesting storyline here, uh, and we'll get into the preview a little bit more later about Victory Road, uh, was we know that Deanna is scheduled to defend the knockout championship against Kylie Ray at Balfour Glory. But yeah. it might be a more compelling story to tell about Kylie Ray wrestling Susie, and mm-hmm. maybe she unlocks you know whatever's keeping Sue Young tucked away. So do you, do you honestly think they'd drop the bell from Deanna to Susie this soon? Or maybe you, uh, maybe you think the feud will continue where it's Kylie and Susie, but without the title in the picture. I, you know, your guess is as good as mine at this point. I, I don't think they've tipped their hand that much. I, the only thing I know for sure is going to happen is at some point we're going to get Sue Young instead of Susie. Um, mm-hmm. Because Madison Rain has been saying for like three weeks on commentary, that looks like Sue Young. That's not Susie. That's not what Susie would do. That's what Sue Young would do. So um, I do think that we are going to, you know, see you know some kind of uh thing like that so 
Um, but we'll get more into that when, when we preview uh, Victory Road uh, a little bit later. Um, then uh, we get, we uh, you know, if starting with one knockouts match is good, starting with two knockouts matches is even better. As we get uh, match two uh, of this little sequence, this little rivalry between Tennille Dashwood and Jordan Grace. Um, and I don't know, did you, you missed this first match, correct, Sandy? I did. Uh, last week? Yep. So last week, uh, you know, Tennille wins by uh, kind of by hooker by crook. She gets uh, Caleb with a K, her personal photographer, distracts uh, Jordan Grace and lets her do her uh, spotlight kick finisher. Um, and then uh, this week, of course, they try to do the uh, distraction angle again. Um, Jordan Grace, uh, I thought in this match, looked fantastic. Oh, my um, God. She, I, I mean, freaking out. I love her. So good. Yeah, I and Danielle Dashwood. I think you know her. It's only her second month, her second match back after a little bit of a hiatus. She moves still a little slower. I don't know that she was ever that quick in the ring, uh, but I, I felt like personally, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Jordan Grace just seems like she's just heads and shoulders above where Danielle Dashwood is now. I personally believe so. Also, you know they have they have different styles, and yeah. I've, that's kind of always been something that I keep in the back of my mind when I watch Danielle Dashwood wrestle. Even when she was Emma, she is a little slow like with her running, with the way she does her maneuvers, even with the way she sells sometimes. But she can be very – she has her moments where it's like, oh, it's, it's on. You can tell, like, she just went 100. But it's like – it goes from 100 to, like, 75 to 80, and it kind of – it's not consistent throughout the match. And that's just how I feel. I've never yeah. been – the biggest Camille Dashwood fan, but she has a great look. She, she can, she can, she can go in there. She's a good worker to me, but it's just, man, when you put her in there against Jordan Grace, Jordan Grace with her, with her hits, her facial expressions, when she strikes it, she strikes like she means it. And she has all of the emotion that you can see in her face when she's, when she's selling, when she's taking heat, when she's doing her hope spot, when she's coming back, and yeah. man, today when she gets the the pin via submission, and she just had that intensity in her face, like yeah, I got this one back, baby, and I love. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was nice for her to get the big win. Uh, you know, over the weekend, of course, you know, she did get married. Um, you know, so uh, you know, big Yay. congratulations to her and, and uh, Jonathan Gresham. So, um, yeah, I mean, I thought this was a pretty good match. Um. I wonder where Tennille Dashwood kind of fits in in the card with the knockouts division because that division is absolutely loaded right now. Um, you know, there could be some leaving, some going. I mean, you don't know, you know, like the kind of contract terms that like Deanna Perrazzo is on or, you know, something along those lines. You know, you, you always feel like Deanna belongs in a bigger promotion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel the same way about Kylie Ray. I feel the same way about Jordan Grace. Uh, so, if you know, if Tennille sticks around long enough. I think she'll get up to the top uh, of the card just by being there. I don't know that she's going to be able to elevate herself past where these other women are right now. Um, but, you know, that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, but I agree. moving right along, we get another episode. What I, you've heard me now just dub as the Moose Chronicles. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. You want to take us through this one, Sandy? So, Okay, he's still. Oh, I was wondering about this actually while I was at I freaking Orlando. I was like, I wonder if Moose ended up finding EC3 because he went to New York or something, right? He flew Southwest. Right. We talked about that. 
And he was like, I know exactly where he is. Like, okay, good luck. And you're in New York City. How the hell are you going to find one man and one belt? But I guess he's still on the lookout for EC3. And I guess I didn't miss much because EC3 still wants to murder the sport title. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought it was really funny because I think in the end of the promo, what does he say? He goes, come to the funeral you'll of the title or you'll regret it. And then he said, watch your back or what did he say? What was that? You know, uh, he something said like that. I don't know. I mean, these uh, these wall projection uh, EC3 promos aren't really doing much for me personally. <laughs> I, oh my god! I, the ones he did outside of Impact, where it was just like on his own, were right. so cool to me. And then he does this whole thing with destroying the belt. At first, I was like, "Oh yeah, you know what? Do it for some reason." And now I'm like, "Wait, no. What was the reason again?" <laughs> right. It's kind of dragged on, and, and like you know, we know this is coming. Th- this is coming to Bound for Glory. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, I feel like they, they just they started this a little too far out. Um, mm-hmm. And I would like for them to take a week off of it next week, but I know they're not going to. But, um, you know, it's it's another episode of the Moose Chronicles. He, uh, <laughs> you know, he's going to try again uh, next week to find EC3. And uh, we'll let you know next week if he does. <laughs> well, no, because EC3 said next week was the funeral, right? Well, so, I mean. Well, there could be a swerve uh, angle that he's not actually at the funeral, or I don't know, man. All right, we'll just—it's a wait and see with the Moose Chronicles. Um, poor title. It's like, what did I do? Don't right. Me. <laughs> so then we get a, a video package here uh, with Rich Swan rehabbing. Um, man, it's one of those tried and true uh, wrestling uh, videos where you know you show the guy that oh he's coming back, he's working real hard and. Oh, he sits down with the doctor. Well, Doc, what do you think? I think, <laughs> it, looks, I think it looks great. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like the guy they got playing that doctor, like, oh, man. It looks like they got a real doctor to give those lines because they were not believable at all. No. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was so funny. It was like, like, at first it looked really cool. Like, you know, just a video of him working out and then with the with his voice in the background. Yeah. That works. That's kind of WWE style, but then they brought in the doctor and he's talking to the camera while Swan is on the bike right behind him. And I was like, okay, what what just happened here? <laughs> right. That was there was and like this whole tone so change. Funny. And it was just like Yeah. And like <laughs> the doctor took off gloves but still had gloves on. And I was just like I'm like, what is what is even going on here? Like the doctor <laughs> at one point was just holding a pair of gloves in one hand, but both hands were still gloved. And I was just like, I, <laughs> I, it was just, it's a stupid little detail that I noticed, but it was just kind of <laughs> like, I'm just looking at this. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> let's, let's move on. <laughs> right. And of course, you know, the next, the next thing they show us is the flashback moment of the week from uh, victory road, 2012, I want to say, um, yep. which was a, a knockout uh, championship match between Gail Kim and the recently uh, retired from independent wrestling Madison rain. Mm-hmm. That was nice. a fun little. I need. I want to go back and watch those. So yeah, you know, I want to go back you're, too you're, and watch that too, like that that Gail Kim yeah. Madison Rain era, uh, where they were both like the top uh, knockouts. They killed just from that clip. Like they were, there were some some really good exchange back and forth, there and some good moves, and then the finish was cool, and I loved it. I I was like, oh, I was watching, it. I was like, oh, oh, okay. 
you know, the, the look that it was presented back in the day and, of course, back in the Divas era is where they had to be thick figures, no muscles. They had to look sexy. Yeah. Their gear still kind of looked like lingerie, but they were still, they were, they were trying. That's when they started pushing the boundaries about as, as far as, you know, what the women could actually do when, when it, in regards to wrestling while yeah. still looking like that, the way they had to look back in the day. Right. Uh, thankfully, we don't have to look exactly like that anymore, and we can still try to show that we can go. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, no, it was a great clip. Uh, there was kind of a cringe moment where Taz made a comment about how he liked the outfits. Uh, um, yeah. And I wish, and I wish that wasn't there because I like Taz, but I, you I know. love Taz. <laughs> he had you a know. Gary Lawler moment. Oh man, it was it was bad. Oh yeah, you know uh, this is uh, Taz. Uh, let me tell you about how great these outfits are. I mean, I I don't know. I you know I I just really like the outfits. I'm just like. Uh, like all right, Tess. Up. All right. So <laughs> just remember that it was 2012 and not 2020. Yeah. And, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? So, um, come a long way. we have, uh, but in the, some ways we've come a long way and other ways we have not, because the next segment was of course, Heath for impact. Um, <laughs> and Rhino, uh, they, you know, they're outside talking to each other. Um, and of course, uh, it's revealed that Heath, instead of using the money that they stole from Hernandez uh, to pay for his commercial last week, which, by the way, uh, if you didn't see it, Sandy, you do need to go back and watch that commercial because it is fucking phenomenal. It, I was literally and uh, Dan and I were both uh, saying last week, like we were literally laughing out loud at it. Um, <laughs> it was so good. Oh, so good. Wait. Definitely go back and watch that clip. Uh, I might send it to you before we're done recording. Um, but so he reveals instead of using the money on the infomercial that he he produced, he maxed out his credit cards and he's just going to pay off his credit cards with the fat roll of cash that he has, um, which of course prompts Reno Scum to jump him to get the money back to Hernandez, which sets up a match uh, at Victory Road between Heath and Rhino versus Reno Scum in a non-sanctioned match. Uh, which we'll preview a little bit later, um, but you know it was it was a little segment just to kind of keep the story rolling there. No no real heat for impact commercial, uh, but you know we see Rhino chatted up with Scott Demore about how he needs to have heat do this match. I don't know. It, it was you know it was kind of a nothing segment that just like I said just kind of met, kept moving things along. Yeah, just building those matches. At least you know they're building matches like I guess for a reason for these. I guess little pay-per-view shows, not just like, hey, for no reason we're gonna have this match, and it's like, oh well, they're they're trying. Yeah, I mean they're building, they're building some things. Um, so yeah. you know, a match that was set last week after the Rascals felt disrespected by the Good Brothers, because uh, the uh, Good Brothers basically referred to them as Young Lions, uh, because Carl Anderson can't help himself uh, but talk about Japan. Um, <laughs> I I totally get it. The bulk of his career, the best times of his career were all in Japan, and I totally get yeah. it. I, you know, um, he was, you know, I think he won a G1, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So I get it. Uh, I believe Carl Anderson did win one. Um, uh, but while we're talking about this match, I'll double check that. Um, but so we have the Good Brothers against the Rascals. And I actually thought this is the best the Good Brothers have looked since coming back to Impact. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, Josh. This is the match that I was most excited about because you know who I love? I love the Rascals. And you know who I love even more within the Rascals? Dez. Yep. Freaking star. I would never get tired of 
freaking saying it. I love that kid. Oh my god, he's so good. But yes. yeah, as soon as they set this matchup, I was like, oh yes, this is gonna be my match of the night, and it absolutely was. That oh, I was so excited. Honestly, obsessed with them right now. Beautiful tag team work between Wentz and Des in the in the very beginnings. I don't know if this this it was this little uh, back and forth with their kicks to Carl Anderson in the beginning, and shortly after Doc Gallows comes in with the clothesline to Des, where he just turns him inside out. I my jaw dropped. He did a full freaking rotation, and he looked like he just died. Oh, he and got absolutely blown up. Remember that. <laughs> Oh, I yeah. love that. That cell was at an amazing. He did a full rotation. It wasn't just one of those kind of, I don't know. He he blew me away. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I mean, it was really good. Um, they had some really good tag moments. Uh, when the Rascals get their tag team offense in, um, it's some of the I most innovative, it. fast-moving. Um, so fast. I mean, it's it's awesome. I completely stopped taking notes because this match was just so good and it was just moving, 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 but not like not even moving fast in a way to where it's like, okay, no, you guys need to slow down. It's sloppy. No, when Dez and Wentz go, it's it's so immaculate too and it's so fast paced. And the good brothers were able to look good because they were able to not only keep up, but slow it down when need be. And that came with the the storyline of the match was, hey, the good brothers have the experience and they have the tenure, and they have the size. Though they have all of these, um, all these features about them, Dez and Wentz were still able to give it a go. They were still able to show, hey, you know, we may not have that tenure, we may not have that experience, but we are still here kicking ass. And I, they got to show off a lot of their skill while still telling that story of, hey, the Good Brothers are actually better because of that experience, because of the yeah. size, because of many different factors. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, of course, the magic killer always gets the job done and, and the good brothers come away with the win. Uh, after they get the win, they do announce that they are challenging the Motor City Machine Guns at Bound for Glory for the tag team titles. Uh, I'm looking forward to that match. That's going to be a good one. It was one of the uh, the titles that was not booked yet for Bound for Glory. I think they all are except for the X Division now. Um, booked for Bound for Glory. Um, and I did double check. I misspoke slightly about Carl Anderson in the G1. He did not win the G1. He was the, but he was the first foreigner. He did this in 2012. First foreigner since Rick Rude uh, to make the finals of the G1. He won the A mm-hmm. block that year uh, and lost to the winner of the B block that year, which of course was Kazuchika Okada. So, ah, of course, of course. listen. Uh, if you lose in the G1 final against Okada in 23 minutes and 19 seconds, uh, I would be talking about how great the uh, the time I had in Japan was too. <laughs> to be perfect, <laughs> to be yeah. perfectly, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the, yeah, I mean, Carl Anderson had 10 points in the A block and and beat Tanahashi in the A block final. So, uh, you know, that was a guy that had a pretty solid career in Japan before coming to WWE. Um, uh, and of course, but no, you know, he and Doc Gallo seem to be having fun, at least uh, uh, at impact for the time being, you know, however long we may have them here. Um, of course, I, you know, the rumors of Carl going back to Japan started immediately once we found out that the Good Brothers were, uh, of course, let go from WWE. Uh, but then COVID happened. So, you know, who knows if they're on a one year deal, three year, I have no idea. 
Uh, maybe they have it in their yeah. contracts that they can do both. A lot of guys are doing that now. Like, I'll only work for you I in think, North America, but I need to be able to yeah. go to Japan too. I, and I think that's smart for Impact to allow those types of contracts with their talent, especially with yeah. the big name talent like the Good Brother. Oh, hell yeah. You don't want to restrict people. Isn't MLW right now getting some kind of flack for putting wrestlers in these nothing contracts and not allowing them to do other things? I think I was reading about that, but... No, for Impact, yeah, it'll think, be so yeah. ridiculous to say, no, you can't go to New Japan. No, why not? Expose your stars yeah. in this broader audience, right. some, of, some of which are in the United States that don't even watch Impact, but they'll watch New Japan. They'll say, hey, you know what? This guy's out here in New Japan, but he's also wrestling in Impact. Let me go ahead and check out Impact. Maybe something yeah. good's happening there. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, and, of course, you know, this next segment uh, contains my personal best friend uh, who did send me a Twitter message. Uh, a few weeks ago, <laughs> maybe a few months ago at this point. Uh, but we see Tommy Dreamer in the hallway. Uh, and this, and uh, consistency. Yeah, listen, Tommy okay. Dreamer is my best friend. It is what it is. So um, this is a continuation of a story, I believe, started, that started during your hiatus here, uh, Sandy. Uh, but yeah, Brian Myers. Confused. Yeah, so <laughs> Brian Myers, I believe it was last week, flipped the table over during an, uh, a backstage interview. And Tommy Dreamer came and was like, listen, man, you need to clean that shit up. Like, that's not what we do here. This is, this is, I protect this place. Like you, I know where you've been and I know that you need to appreciate this place. Right. So it was a really strong promo work from uh, Tommy Dreamer and Brian Myers, both kind of playing off this, like Brian Myers, like, listen, man, I'm the same age that you were when you hired me. So you need to back off. Like I'm an adult. I'm a grown ass man. And Tommy's like, yeah clean it up like just won't back down <laughs> so there's been this building uh the past you know for last week and we see this confrontation in the hallway uh, where brian meyer says uh you know i told you the next time i see i saw you you better walk the other way he says guess what i'm not um so listen I, mm. it, they haven't announced rules for the match um but it is going to be at victory road on saturday tommy dreamer uh versus brian myers uh, you know, we'll talk more about this match when we preview that card, but I liked the segment. It got me ready for a match, Sandy. I didn't know if it was supposed to be taken seriously or if it was, like, for the funny. I honestly couldn't sense the tone because Tommy Dreamer, I guess, when he's doing those segments, he just, he seems to me like he's not trying to be too serious. <laughs> right. so I'm like, wait a minute. Well, I was so confused. I was like, is this supposed to be, I thought Brian Myers was supposed to be all serious and then Tommy Dreamer's over here like, they're looking at each other. I was like, wait a minute, what happened? So thank you for explaining that. Yeah, no problem. No but, problem. And I'm excited. Yeah, no, I mean, they, I mean, they clearly, they know each other. They're comfortable talking to each other on, on camera. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one a little bit later. Uh, then we see another uh, match announcement for Victor Road. These kind of came fast and furious because up until last week, they hadn't even said they were going to be doing Victory Road. Um, so we hit uh, the rubber match between Tennille Dashwood and Jordan Grace. Uh, Cameron with a K, the personal photographer of Tennille Dashwood, makes the match, um, which is kind of silly. I think it's so funny, the whole K with a K thing. Or what oh, yeah. Cameron with a, was it Cameron with a K? And then Caleb with a K, right? Caleb with a K, you're right. Caleb, okay. I've been saying Cameron, sorry. <laughs> Caleb with a K, and um, he's at one point started to refer to uh, Tennille as uh, or Tennille with a T, um, 
which is it's just getting ridiculous, right? So <laughs> uh, we'll see the rubber match, uh, and that you know may tell us kind of uh, we'll get into that preview, uh, but may tell us kind of where the uh, knockouts division is starting to stack up uh, as we get past Bound for Glory. We know we're we're kind of going with it to Bound for Glory, but past Bound for Glory, we'll kind of maybe start to see that stack up. Um, but then you know what we get the uh, groomsmen around the ring here, Sandy, for Johnny Swinger yeah. versus Falaba with the right to be the best man of Johnny Bravo in his wedding with Rosemary. I okay, so remember how we love Russell House? Oh, I I think about Russell House literally every day. <laughs> Is it just me or does it not translate well when it's actually in the impact zone? It works. It works for me still when they use those characters all together. And I think it's because there's still no fans there. Um, okay. So it still feels Wrestle House vibe-ish. And they even played mm. the Wrestle House music before the wrestler entrances. Like, they did. You, and you're just funny. like, okay, all right. They, they're acknowledging <laughs> that they still don't have anything for these people. So they're just kind of, okay, you were in Wrestle House and we're going to continue just, you guys are all still just together doing a thing. Um, but now yeah. you're just the, the, grooms peop- the groomsmen. Plus Alicia Edwards, um, <laughs> for whatever reason. It was funny. So um, Johnny, what did you think Swinger, of the match? Okay. Yeah. So this is my first time, I think, seeing Falaba. 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 Oh my God! Immediately in love. Yeah. In love. Why can't I talk to it? I was so in love with him. He. Okay, but one thing. Did he really just? get pinned by getting hit by a stuffed monkey i was i was it happened so fast and i was like wait a minute that was a stuffed animal and you're you're out dude what happened i don't, I don't think so the, I, the think match the, started. I think the monkey is ceramic um i'm not sure but like either, way, <laughs> either way either way i was I, like know, what I'll have to, you know what, i'll message tommy dreamer and ask him what the uh crazy steve's <laughs> monkey is made out of uh, yeah, I'll get back to you next week probably. Um, but yeah, it was kind of silly, and of course, you know, Bravo lets in, you know just lights into the referee for you know missing the uh, the weapon usage. They restart the match, and of course, Fala Ba gets the pin rather quickly on Johnny Swinger, uh, whom I'm led to believe his wrestling days are uh, well beyond uh, what they were. Absolutely, but hey, the dude has for his age a great body. I don't know oh, what yeah. he's doing wearing that that gear he was wearing. It was giving me all kinds of terrible nightmares. I couldn't tonight, I couldn't sure. get past thinking that it was a Borat suit. Like that the whole time <laughs> I was like, man, is this guy trying to be Borat here? I mean, um, maybe he is a little bit. I don't know. But I thought it was pretty. Much. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, but you know, I too. what are you gonna do? Final Ball wins the right to be the best man, and then you know, of course, the backstage stuff. We kind of hear like. Donnie Bravo doesn't really care. He's got too many other problems to worry about. And then he winds up, I guess, saying Johnny Swinger could do it. I don't know. I didn't really follow exactly where we landed on who is the best man. Uh, but I feel bad for Follow Ba if he won the match and now he doesn't get to be the best man. He clearly wanted to be the best man, Sandy. He better he better be the best man. I want to see more of him. Blah, blah. I agree. And you know what? Uh, maybe uh, at some point, TJP can get back to tagging with Follow Ba. Um, like he promised he would be focusing on, of course, but you know, we can't take TJP at his word, just like we cannot take the X division champion, Rohit Raju at his word. Can we Sandy? My man. I love him. 
He still hasn't defended since he won, has he? <laughs> uh, no, he did. He did defend uh, in a <gasps> six-second match um, because he he set it up last week for a, a triple threat uh, number one contender match between Trey Miguel, um, Chris Bay, and TJP, and then. Mm-hmm. As a was a surprise to me, and I believe it was kind of worked in as a surprise. Rohit Raju was ringside in his gear, and when Trey Miguel won, uh, they started a match for the championship immediately. Uh, and uh, Rohit Raju does a roll up, grabs the tights, gets the three count, and retains. And now, of course, we find he is saying that all three of those gentlemen have had their chance, um, and they are mm-hmm. not going to participate in the defeat Rohit challenge. At Victory Road. Genius. Genius. My man. Rohit Razu. <laughs> yes. What a smart man. Oh, I love him. Remember when he won out and he was over here cutting the promo? Like, I'm going to give all these opportunities because yep. I never had them. And I was like, wait, no. Dude, stay, stay a heel, please. And then, man, he is delivering. This is my mwah, chef's kiss uh, moment <laughs> of our show for Impact. Rohit Razu, my man. Don't ever have to wrestle. No long match. Champion forever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's pretty genius stuff that he's doing, and it's not something that we uh, we ever really see uh, from that regards. But you know, I I honestly don't know who's going to challenge him Saturday. Um, no one. I mean, he's got. You have to believe that he has the rules, quote unquote, set in place. TJP, of course, tries to say, hey, man, I want to participate. And he says no. And then TJP makes the dumbest joke of all time about how he has to go eat Ben and Jerry's and watch The Notebook. Um, Because he's never dealt with rejection before. Barf. (laughs) That's all I have to say. That about sums up our opinion of TJP outside of the ring, of course. Um, But not to dwell on that, we get right to the ring. Uh, where Eddie Edwards comes out. Uh, Eddie Edwards, as the show went off last week, was jumped uh, and attacked when the lights went off. And uh, as we learn uh, in Impact Wrestling, and we're kind of conditioned the same way with all elite wrestling, when the lights go off, you know, in AEW, that Cody's coming out. And, you know, here in Impact, when the lights go off, you know that it can only be one man controlling the lights with his smartphone, and that is Sammy Callahan. But, you know, Eddie Edwards, of course, starts cutting his promo, thinking it's Eric Young. And then the lights flicker, they turn off, the little uh, Android-type you know, knockoff logo comes up on the screen, and <laughs> Sammy Callahan is sitting in a chair at the top of the ramp. And, uh, you know, this is just I, – I don't understand this angle. I hope it makes sense at some point, Sandy. But it's revealed that it wasn't Sammy Callahan that uh, jumped Eddie Edwards. Uh, for some reason, it's Ken Shamrock. I wrote, why? <laughs> <laughs> I want answers. I, I do, too. Do they too. have some beef back in the day? I know I, Ken, I'm sure Ken Shamrock does um, some things here and there, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure at some point. I mean, but we haven't seen Shamrock since uh, Slammiversary when he and Sammy Callahan lost their tag match. And before that, he and Sammy Callahan feuded against each other. But now I guess because – so while while you were gone, by the way, uh, the contracts of Rob Van Dam and Katie Forbes expired. So they're no longer I with Impact Wrestling, um, which, you know, mm-hmm. we dodged having to talk about the whole effing talk show. That's never going to happen now. Thank God. 
Um, and, and now, <laughs> you know, relieved. I don't have to worry about watching impact wrestling and risk my children walking into the room during a Katie Ford's <laughs> entrance. So win, 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 win. <laughs> as far as that goes, happy trails <laughs> to Rob Van Dam and Katie Forbes. But now that that's done, um, and it ended, of course, the last thing that we see them do, uh, is Sammy Callahan pile driver, giving a pile driver to, uh, Katie Forbes, which, uh, Dan and I talked about last week a little bit, not a great visual. Um, but now we now we see Eddie Edwards um, apparently as he gets ready to fight Eric Young at Victory Road has now just been given the uh, ankle lock by Ken Shamrock. So we'll see, quote unquote, if he's good to go when mm. Victory Road comes around, uh, which obviously we know professional wrestling. He will wrestle, uh, but Eric Young will target that ankle uh, early and often, I am sure. You think they can do like the the switcheroo instead of having Edwards um, go against EY at Bound for Bound for Glory? It would be Swan. Well, so Rich Swan, Rich, Rich Swan is already booked for Bound for Glory. So Eddie What's Edwards, he he's well, he's booked to wrestle Eric Young for the Impact Championship already. That was uh, two weeks ago. They made this. So while you were on hiatus, okay. Um, oh, gotcha. So Rich Swan is right now in the impact world heavyweight championship match against Eric young at bound for glory. And then Eddie Edwards came out and, uh, had to save Scott, the from getting beat up by Eric young. And he wound up, uh, kind of positioning himself for a rematch cause he never got his rematch. Um, so now he's wrestling Eric young at victory road. Okay. And so it could be a thing where because of, the Ken Shamrock interference that Eddie Edwards Mal might it might become a three triple threat at Bound for Glory. I hope it doesn't. I want to see one on one Rich Swan yeah. Eric Young, but we'll see what happens Saturday. Um, we yeah. we get a little backstage uh, conversation between uh, Susie and Kylie Ray. Kylie Ray is super happy for her friend that she's getting the title shot. She gives her a brand new pair of kick pads. <laughs> I, I, thought, so I thought this was kind of a funny little segment and of course you know uh after she says you know this is your time Susie," and she walks off and uh we see the camera glitch out and get kind of you know spooky horror vibes as Ooh. you know maybe we see sue young starting to creep out just a little bit more um, so you know we'll have to see we'll have to see how that goes uh that progresses uh, but we move on to uh, the main event here, which I thought was a pretty good match. Uh, but I'll let you kind of break it down for us here, Sandy. So right before this, though, we had a we had an EY promo, or was it a vignette? I couldn't, I can't remember. It was a video, yeah. And yeah, so he's just over here, you know, saying his his crazy his crazy shenanigans like always, but he's shirtless. And Logan would want me, he wanted me to call out the fact that EY's left nipple was very out there and it reflected a lot of light during the video. Did you notice EY's left nipple by any chance? Uh, unlike Logan, I was not <laughs> looking at Eric Young's uh, nipples. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he would not stop talking about it. So yeah, I it it, it, it did in fact reflect a lot of a lot of light, and it was way out there. So okay, just wanted to <laughs> shout out to EY's uh, left nipple on that promo. 
But the main event, <laughs> we have the North, Josh Alexander and Ethan Page. They're going up against uh, Ace Austin, Boo, and Madman Fulton, Boo. Can you tell who, who I'm rooting for, guys? Oh, yeah. um, we have Big Man, Madman, Fulton, and Ethan Page to start. We have the battle of the big guy and the uh, not-so-big guy, Ethan Page. But, oh, my God. Okay, so every time I see Ethan Page, I'm, I just, I'm drooling. Holy shit, he looks fantastic. He, gets, he looks great. He's killing it. And I feel like he looks every week that passes by looks even better. So, yeah. man, I just, I was just staring at him, to be honest. But... I, I have to know what he's done to to reach this level of fitness, but good for him. The match was super awesome. Did you recall the oh man? That it was a couple of weird things. <laughs> Did you notice when Ethan Page would try to tag out to Josh Alexander how they were kept getting miscommunications as far as whose hand goes where? Yeah. Did you notice that at all? Okay, so they did that like two or three times, and I couldn't stop laughing because they would just reach their hands out. And they'd be like palms facing up, and they're like, "Oh shit!" And then they both turn their palms <laughs> facing down. They couldn't figure out how to make the tag. I've never seen that happen just three consecutive times in, in a row. Uh, consecutive means in a row, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny. And then there was a spot that was really strange when I don't know what they, what they call this move, but Ace Austin gets on the shoulders of uh, Fulton, mm-hmm. and. Do you know what move he's supposed to do after that? Does he do like a flippy thing? What is? He yeah, it's supposed, supposed to be kind of like uh, kind of like a flippy thing. Yeah, uh, like a kind of similar to like what uh, what Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus do when when Jungle Boy jumps off of his shoulders and kind of swantons off of him. Okay. Um, I think that's kind of what it's supposed to be. I don't you know. And that's so not necessarily what happened here. Dropped. No, he just like he was gonna go for it, maybe change his mind and just fell. And gave a knee to Josh Alexander right in the freaking face. Yeah, that busted that was open so Josh. Weird. Yeah. yeah, his that lip was, was bleeding so pretty weird. bad after that. <laughs> I hope he's okay and it wasn't more, his teeth didn't get freaking sunken in. That was a whole ass knee to the mouth. Yeah, that was, was that was definitely a botch that, uh, uh, you know, you hope they get, you know, the guy's okay. And, and clearly, you know, uh, Ace didn't like the setup that he had to flip and i i can certainly appreciate not wanting to land on your head um but yeah that's that's a tough knee to give and a tough knee to take it was rough and then of course it looked really awkward when you know that this big crazy move happens and everyone's like oh shit and (laughs) josh alexander like kicks out at like point five seconds because he's yeah. probably just like oh shit pissed and actually given a real reaction of like my mouth is busted open so he didn't just go one two no he was like half get off of me <laughs> oh yeah you know he was seeing was right like, after that it- happened enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at bet mgm sign up using code champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with bet mgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with bet mgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever remember to use code champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's definitely, oh uh, you know, when you get hit in the face for real, uh, you get mad. It's just a natural reaction to getting hit in the face, right? Like, <laughs> you're just like, I'm sorry, what? Like, you want to do what now? <laughs> but that finish of this match, though, I can't even describe what they did. This is a whole little sequence of, of oh, hits it was beautiful. and offense. I don't know if you can break it down because I stopped taking notes because I was just watching it like. <gasps> no, it's, it's definitely uh, it's definitely some tag team wrestling that you just that just let it sink in. Um, oh just the kicks, God. the hits. I mean, you know, all right, there's a kick to the chin. There's a forearm to the back of the head. There's a, you know, a power, you know, a suplex. There's this, is that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I literally wrote down, uh, you know, great finish was just like the note that I wrote on, on this match because the whole thing was pretty good. Uh, but really they ramped it way, way up to 11 on that finish. Uh, and of course, you know, the, the North picks up the win, um, as they should, because, you know, there's I I would argue, Sandy, that when you talk about North American tag teams, and you want to start ranking like top five, top three, uh, the North has to be in that conversation. Like, I agree, one hundred percent. I think they're really, really, really incredible. Uh, you know, it, it's it's. I think the tag division as a whole is pretty solid in impact, uh, but to me, those guys are are the cream of the crop in there, and they prove it every time they're in the ring. Um, and you know, I, I just love that Josh Alexander still wears headgear. Uh, I think that's just a really nice touch. And then maybe, maybe really? that gives me an, you know, an unbiased, uh, maybe that makes me, uh, unable to have a, <laughs> an unbiased opinion about it because, uh, like, like Dan, uh, last week we talked a lot about how headgear was kind of like one of his favorite gimmicks, uh, you know, going back to watching Kurt Angle with, you know, the, the wig and the headgear, uh, it kind of, you know, I think it just triggers something with us that like. Oh man, he's wearing headgear. That's awesome. You know, <laughs> that guy's great. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. That's but, really funny. I find it distracting. I personally do not like it, but he is a great, great talent. So I, I can live with it. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, you know, that's, I, uh, that's, uh, you know, this, uh, this week's show on impact, a great show yeah, for you to yeah, come yeah. back to. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, so the victory road card has been pretty much released. So we'll give a quick preview, uh, of the card here, uh, and just maybe quick predictions, uh, and then we'll move on to our, our celebration of, uh, Mr. Mario. Um, first thing on the docket is a four-way match between Ace Austin, Carl Anderson, Alex Shelley and Josh Alexander. So representing, of course, the tag teams that have been a part of this kind of uh, chaos the past few weeks here. Um, you know, the uh, Motor City Machine Guns are going to defend the titles against all three teams in a four-way match at Bound for Glory. Uh, so they announced that kind of after uh, the show where, you know, the Good Brothers said they oh. wanted to fight them. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting uh, to kind of see how that works. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of four-way tags, but we'll get into that when we preview Battle for Glory. Um, but four-way match here, Sandy, who you got? 
Ooh. I don't know. So this is honestly, I feel like this could go. This could go in any direction, just based on on what we've kind of seen from from the storylines kind of revolving around the tag team division. It can go any direction, but I I, I don't think I I got the Motor City Machine Guns. And. Uh... Yeah, so you're going Alex Shelley here. I'm going to go Carl Anderson uh, in this four-way match. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to set up the Good Brothers uh, to look like they're going to be the t- number one challengers in that four-way match. Um, okay. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, next one on the card that we have listed here is the Defeat Rohit uh, Challenge. Um, so it's going to be someone it, – it's, you know, it's, it's kind of positioning as an open challenge – uh, but it's not going to be Trey Miguel, TJP, or Chris Bay. Um, I don't know who it is, but whoever it is, I'm sure they're losing because Rohit's going to cheat um, or just not wrestle at all. He's not going to do anything, and that's how it should be. <laughs> <laughs> so that was an, uh, an easy preview for that one. Uh, next, we got the unsanctioned match between the Reno Scum and Heath and Rhino. Um you know, keeping it brief on this one, I don't see any reason why Heath and Rhino would lose. Yeah, it, it would make no sense. This has Especially, to be the end for Heath. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they've been talking real heavy. You know, Scott Demore even mentioned the Heath for Impact campaign and how he liked it. I feel like Heath and Rhino are going to get the win here. Next, we have the rubber match. Daniil Dashwood, Jordan Grace. Who you got? So one and one, Jordan Grace. Yeah, I agree. I think Jordan Grace is going to push through here and and set herself up again for whoever is the knockouts champion. Uh, you know, after Bound for Glory, we'll see Jordan Grace right back at the top of that card where she belongs. Uh, so I'll go yeah. along with you there on Jordan Grace. Um, and then uh, we got Brian Myers and Tommy Dreamer. This would be interesting. Tommy Dreamer is not booking himself to win matches. To me, this no. feels like a definite Brian Myers win. Although, you know, if Tommy Dreamer gets his first win here, I, I mean, I don't know. But I, as much as I love Tommy Dreamer, and everyone knows I am the president of Dreamer Club, um, I'm going to say that Brian Myers wins this one. Yeah, it would be really, I would be really surprised if Tommy Dreamer gets <laughs> a win on this one. But hey, crazier things have happened. But I, I agree, Brian Myers for this one. Yeah, it's just it's hard to see another outcome. <laughs> so yeah. Um. All right, and then we have the knockout championship match with Diana Perrazzo defending against Susie. Um, like I mentioned earlier, there could be a couple of different ways here that uh, we could go. We could see you know uh, Diana Perrazzo dropping it to a freshly emerged Sue Young. Uh, we could see her beating Susie. Uh, which unleashes Sue Young, um, or you know, we could just we could just have just a straight up match where Diana Perrazzo uh, beats Susie, and then they just kind of tease uh, the Sue Young stuff some more, uh, maybe for after Bound for Glory. But I'm gonna say Diana retains here. I think so too. Something something story wise will happen, but I don't see her dropping the title anytime soon. Yeah, and, and probably nor should she, especially since I mean we all want to see Kylie Ray and Diana Perazzo uh, at Battle for Glory. I, yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think there's a better match that they can put on that card. 
Mm-hmm. Too highly anticipated. They have to leave it like that. And then uh, the main event for Victory Road, Eric Young, Eddie Edwards. EY. Yeah, Jim seems like a no-brainer here too. Uh, you know, Eric Young yeah. seems to already have Eddie uh, Eddie's number, and uh, you know we already know he's booked for a match against Rich Swan at Bound for Glory. I don't see mm-hmm. them switching the, all of that up. All of the promotional material for Bound for Glory has been Eric Young related. Um, it, all the commercials are his. Uh, you know, I just I don't see it going anywhere uh, but his. Agreed. So, uh, moving on here, Sandy, um, we have a very special birthday. The very special <gasps> birthday, of course, belongs to Mr. Mario. Mr. Now, Mario! If you listen to the uh, canon that is described in the Super Mario Brothers movie, his first name is Mario and his last name is Mario. Mario Mario. And of course his brother <laughs> is Luigi Mario. Um, but I don't really like to bring up that movie uh, very much because it is absolutely terrible, which is the exact opposite of what Mario games have always been. So, you know, Sandy, uh, we were discussing this and, and kind of coming up with how we wanted to talk about this. Um, but, you know, I, I think we just, Let's just talk through it. I mean, we'll we'll go through the history a little bit where we first see Mario, where we first get his you know his first title game uh, on the Nintendo Entertainment System, and then we'll just you know kind of talk about some of our favorite ones over the years. Absolutely. So yeah, I, on this one, I have to admit I have not played all of the Mario games. So I was when it comes to Nintendo, Nintendo to me is Legend of Zelda. And you are damn right. I have played every single Zelda game. Mario, hey, I grew up playing it. I love it. But somewhere along the lines, I was like, all right, enough. <laughs> right. But, and I think it was it was right. At, it may have been right after Super Mario 64, because I remember I didn't play Super Mario Sunshine until years after it had come out. Um, and I know I missed some of the new ones, too, with the 3D Land, Mario Wii U. Even though, shame on me, I own them for my Wii U because I was like, I'm going to support Nintendo. But then Game ADD never finished it, never even freaking took it out of the plastic. Mm. But, of course, you know, all all millennials, all people our age, who hasn't played Mario? Who hasn't loved Mario? Sure. Especially when it comes to, I think, the very first one on the NES. That was, what, 1985? Yep, so... Um... Super Mario Brothers debuted on the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1985. Um, oh it's not the first time we see Mario. The first time we see Mario is in 1981's arcade classic Donkey Kong, um, which you know was ported uh, all over the place. I mean, it's and and it it continued to be ported all the way through 2004 when it was on the Game Boy Advance. It's a very popular arcade game. Um, of course, it is created by Shigeru Miyamoto, so he is, of course, the creator of, uh, you know, uh, pretty much every uh, top Nintendo franchise there is. Uh, Star you know, Fox, Star Mario, Fox, Zelda, Donkey Kong. <laughs> uh, I mean, you name it. Everything. Uh, his he's the reason why Nintendo is what they are today. Um, but yeah, I mean, Donkey I Kong comes out, changes changes the landscape of of what Nintendo had going on. 
Uh, of course, you know, Nintendo goes back, you know, hundreds of years as a playing card company. Um, but when they start putting out these arcade cabinets with Donkey Kong, now they're starting to shoot up. You know, they get uh, the Game & Watch was their, you know, one of their first systems they put out and, and all these things. But when they really take off and become a widespread success is the introduction of Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1985, um, which we've, we've discussed on this podcast. Mario is older than both of us, Sandy. Um, oh my gosh, he is. Which, but you know, I mean, he's now uh, 35 uh, when it comes to home consoles. You know, 39 if you include his Donkey Kong parents, which Nintendo does not when they're talking about his 35th anniversary. No. Um, <laughs> which is fine. You know, it wasn't his game. It was Donkey Kong's game. Donkey Kong is on the title. Right. It's not a Mario game. Mario is the playable character. But he's not. it's not his game, right? right. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> they released a follow-up pretty quickly to that game in 1986. Uh, called Super Mario Brothers 2, which did not release in North America. It was a Japan-only game because it was on the Famicom uh, disc system. We get, a game that's, we get a game that's called Super Mario Brothers 2, um, but it is not Super Mario Brothers 2. Um, we would later get Super Mario Brothers 2 released as Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels, but the Super Mario Brothers 2 that we get is actually a reskinning of uh, Yume Kojo Doki Doki Panic, um, which is a game I've never played the original version of. I've only played Super Mario Brothers nope. 2. Um, but then, of course, uh, really the crown jewel of the Nintendo Entertainment System is Super Mario Brothers 3. Um, it was, in my opinion, uh, the best Mario game uh, of that generation. I think many people really would agree was. with me. It is really, really freaking good. Um, yeah, so like most of us have have been around growing up with these games and played them. Yeah. Tell me what honest opinion. Cause I feel like a, I, this is the black sheep of the Mario family, Mario brothers Two, the American version. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you play it? I played it. I played a lot of it and, and I, I do like it. I don't like it as a Mario game. Um, I like it as a platforming game, but for me, it introduces too many different, elements to the game with the different, you know, like Peach's uh, parasol and, you know, it's just, it, it has a different look and feel to it. And it's because it is a different feel. It's a different game. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I did enjoy it. I played it a lot as a kid, certainly. Um, yeah. It was, you know, Anything... character selection was cool. I mean, I, so that oh, kind of stood really out. Cool. You know, you could use Luigi as the first player, um, you know, which kind of felt like a, like a middle finger to older brothers everywhere. Well, guess what? I'm going to be Luigi and first player and not just be Luigi because I'm second player. Right. So, no, I, I actually, no, I, I enjoyed the game. What about you? I, so when I played this as a kid, I actually had nightmares of, I forget what they're called, but you know, when you, when you would go into these vases and in the desert, like throughout the levels and you go into this, like you go into this vase, which just, to me, it was just the weirdest thing. And then these, like, these faces would chase you when you were trying yes. to get the key. Do you recall those? What, do you know yes. what those are called? I don't, um, but I know that they're pure nightmare fuel. Those bastards gave me so many nightmares when I was a kid. I would just have <laughs> dreams of them chasing me around. I'd be holding a key and like trying to throw it away, and they'd still be after me. And that was pretty memorable for, for Super Mario uh, Brothers 2. I really actually did enjoy this game it was so different and i love like you mentioned you know every character has a different 
different skills. So with Luigi doing, I think that's when it was introduced, this little hoppity hop thing, yep. which we still see in Luigi games to this day, um, or Mario games too. So I thought that was really interesting. It was super, super different. And actually, when I was kind of going through and refreshing my memory on the games that I had played before, I didn't know that the, you know how Super Mario Brother games, not until the, the later ones, but the beginners one, it was just like, hey, go through these levels, save the princess. There was no really like deep level storyline, right. kind of like a Zelda. Super Mario Brothers 2 apparently had this, this whole story about how Mario had a dream and then Luigi and Peach also had the same dream. Right. And, and then at the end of the game, the I, dreamland. Yeah. Yes. I, did you know this? I had no idea. As a child, I did not know. I, I knew right? I learned about that, uh, you know, a few years back. But as a as a kid, I had no idea that that was what was going on. Yeah, I thought I was just playing Mario, right? And yeah, you know, they had the, the like, waterfall oh, stuff, and you know, it, it was it was an interesting game uh, for sure. Um, but you know, I mean, this what I think it kind of sets it up, and it, they didn't necessarily innovate with Mario here; they reskinned with Mario, um, but. As Nintendo came out with new systems, you kind of learned the first game coming out on that system was going to be the Mario game. And I think in large part it's because Nintendo was so confident in the character of Mario that they could um, they could test new gameplay features. They could innovate. They could try something fresh, something new. And we see that more so now later on in life uh, with Mario, uh, especially running rampantly with different things. Um, but early on, even then, I mean, Super Mario Brothers 2 was unlike any game that we, at least in North America, had. Um, and then, you know, with Super Nintendo, we get Super Mario World, which just blew the socks off of anything that we had done in a platformer uh, up to that point with the power-ups, with Yoshi, with all the different things you could do with that game. And it's a game still, Sandy. I still find myself going back to play Super Mario World all the time. Me too. It, that I, game, I, oh my gosh. I think it's a perfect game. I, I don't think you can make it any better in any way. I don't, I mm -hmm. just don't. The hit detection is perfect. The jumping is, the timing is perfect. Everything just works. And the level, just the way the world was set up. And I, I, I vividly remember the final boss battle once you get to the castle. Like, yep. you know, those memories are going to be ingrained in my brain forever. And it just, that, that makes, that was an amazing game. Yeah, I mean, it's still for perfect. still for me. Like, when you talk about what's your favorite Mario game of all time, I I still have to go back to Super Mario World a lot. Um, there's different games that mean different things to me in the Mario series, just from when I played them and what I felt while playing them. Um, but to me, I, I don't think it gets better than Super Mario World from a technical perspective. Uh, the same year that Super Mario World comes out, we also get a puzzle game out of Mario. We have the introduction, uh, also in 1990, of Dr. Mario. Um, oh. The first time we see him switch occupations from a plumber to be something else. Um, Dr. Mario, Did they ever I, I don't know explain how, how that happened? <laughs> no, this I don't think it. man all of a sudden medical yeah, degree. He, well, he put on a lab coat, Sandy, and that means a lot. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, but did you play uh, any uh, Dr. Mario? It, it was kind of right around that same time that Tetris was really starting to take off, like those little puzzle games, mm -hmm. line of race games. Yep. Um, I wasn't Absolutely. a huge – I was not a huge Dr. Mario fan as a kid. Um, I appreciate it more now, I guess. I don't know. I don't really go out of my yeah. way to play it. 
Um, but I, I don't know. I, I it was kind of uh, it was an interesting game. Yeah, it was just interesting to see him. It should have been pharmacist Mario because I really don't think he could have gotten his doctor's degree that fast from a plumber. <laughs> but <laughs> pharmacist Mario just doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Um, That's true. I did not play. I did not play Doctor Mario when I was a kid because I was stuck on Tetris and nobody could take me away from it. But um, and of course I didn't play it because I would have been one year old this time. But a few years afterwards, right. I don't think I played Doctor Mario until way in the two thousand. I, yeah, oh I played it. Yeah, it I played it much later too. And and you know, like I said, with with the Super Nintendo, we really start to see a lot of innovation around surrounding Mario. Um, we get uh, an, an educational game, and Mario is missing. Uh, we get Mario Paint, and of course, I still have the same, that. The little the mouse. I, it's it was very strange to play because it wasn't really a <laughs> game. You didn't really know kind of, but everyone had Mario Paint and nobody knew why, except that <laughs> Mario was on it. And so you know, kudos yeah. to Nintendo for trying something because they bet on Mario. They they knew they slapped Mario, boom, it's gonna sell. Um, and you know, which also brings us to the same year that we so we get Mario's missing, Mario Paint, Yoshi's Cookie. Super Mario Land 2, The Six Golden Coins, which is a Game Boy game that was phenomenal. I had that game. I played it nonstop. Oh, I think I played that one. It's very good. If you can find it on emulation somewhere, definitely do it. Um, Or if you find a used game store locally, um, go and buy it there, too. Um, But in the same time, all that's happening in 1992. The fifth Mario game that we get in 1992 is Super Mario Kart. Which oh, was yeah, that was back then. Nineteen ninety two is when they started with Mario Kart, and it was. I, I remember, you know, probably around like being like four years old, so a couple years after the game came out, and just being completely blown away by it, uh, because there was nothing like it. I don't remember play every other racing game that you played up to that point. It was just like, how can we make it look as fast as possible? And you're just trying to just race, right? Yeah. I don't know how many and NES racing games you played, just, but they were not good. No, terrible. It just you did nothing. You were just kind of like, mm, and like, okay, that's cool, whatever. <laughs> right, and then you hit like a rough patch on the road, and you go, <laughs> and, and then you spin out, you know, and, you know, and then that was and then you racing. Get back to the road. Right, and then you yeah. blink, 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 blink. Now you're back in the middle of the road, and <laughs> that was what racing games were. And then now right. we get Mario Kart. And you got power-ups. You're going over speed boosts. Now, some of the track design and things are, are similar to F-Zero, which came out around the same time. Um, but, I mean, the race of Mario and Luigi and Bowser and Toad, I mean, I, 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 Mario Kart is probably like a top three franchise for uh, stuff that I've spent the most amount of time on. Oh, wow. I, hope- I mean... There's, I mean, they have eight original entries, I think, now of Mario Kart, um, spanning from, from 92 uh, all the way up to Mario Kart 8, which was, I believe, released on the Wii U and then ported to the Switch yeah. um, and still sells one. still sells for $60, by the way, on the Switch um, because it's Mario. <laughs> uh, and I'm one of those idiots that bought it twice for the Wii U and then for the Switch. <laughs> Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, listen. They know. They know what they got out of you. I mean, they just know it's going to no. happen. Um. <laughs> yeah. They have. Uh. You know. Mario's 
uh, early years preschool fun gets released, another educational game. So they keep on trying. There was a lot of educational games that they tried to put on the NES and the SNES um, mm-hmm. in the early 90s. And I, I believe it. it's somewhat related to how many problems video games started having with politicians and different things like that that started really trying to kind of zero in on video games as a scapegoat for a lot of things. And I said, well, no, look, it's educational, right? So like Mario's mm-hmm. Missing is like teaching you about world geography and history. And yeah. because, I mean, it, it was also the first game that you controlled only Luigi. So, you know, it, it was kind of, you know, there's some preschool games. There's kind of some weird stuff kind of going on. Um, you know, it was fun. It, it was fun while it lasted, right? Um, you get, uh, I'm trying to look ahead here to kind of like the next pivotal title. Uh, I guess that would probably be 1995's uh, Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. Yoshi's Island! Which is another, like, how do you take a platformer that you've pretty much already done with Super Mario World? Hmm. And how do you make it completely different, but still this, still Mario? And it's, oh, I know, make Mario a baby that rides on your back. And if you get hit, <laughs> you got to go chase him down and pop him out of this bubble. And it's just, it's, on paper, sounds like the most ridiculous thing. Uh, but I was just playing this thing last week, Sandy, and it's pretty awesome. Does it still hold up? It does. It does. Okay. You know, a lot of these games don't um, to the standards of what we know. Like, you know, Mario games for the most part do hold up. Some of the off titles don't, right? Mario is missing. So there's different things they tried. Mario Paint never was the good thing. Um, but Mario World 2, I to me, it holds up. It, it plays super clean. Um Everything it's it's same. I mean, five years earlier, it's hard to believe. Five years earlier was the release of Super Mario World, and so five years later, you know they're going to make a technically good game, but you know what is it? It doesn't make any sense. Why are, are you? Why is there a relay set up where one Yoshi passes off a baby to another Yoshi as you progress <laughs> it? Right? It's just the kind of stuff that you know only Nintendo would push that stuff, Sandy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love them. They always try. They try and then sometimes they fail. Sometimes they're too ahead of their time. Sometimes it just makes no sense, but it's amazing. And but you know what? They're out there. They're trying no matter what. And, yeah. Oh, I love so, them. 1996 comes, and this is a, an interesting year because we get um, what is a program that I'm sure swept across the nation in, in elementary schools everywhere, which is Mario teaches typing too. Um, but we also get. Uh, 1996 is uh, a huge year for Mario because we get Mario teaches typing too. I'm going to just keep on making that joke. Um, We get um, the release of the Nintendo 64, which of course comes along with the release of Super Mario 64. But before we get to that, very late in the Super Nintendo's life, this is, I believe, the last game that Square Soft at the time, I believe they were still known as, uh, now known, of course, as Square Enix. So this is the last game that Squaresoft makes for the Super Nintendo before they take everything to PlayStation, and that's Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. And this is a top five game for me all time, Mario or not. I love this game. Have you ever played it? Never played it. Never? No. Never. It is so unbelievably good. It is uh, turn-based RPG combat. You have Mario. You have you know your different characters. 
but they have some original characters that are kind of very obviously Square Enix uh, influenced. Uh, you have Gino, who's like a wizard type character. You got uh, Mallow, who kind of looks like a kind of like a cloud kind of type person. There's, you know, Bowser fights on your team against this like greater enemy. And it's just like, it. you collect weapons, you get armor. I mean, it is an RPG with Mario and it is awesome. Oh. And the reason why a lot of people missed it is because it came out the same year as the Nintendo 64. Completely overshadowed. And it, and man, it really should have been because it was awesome. Oh, so, I need to go back and, and, and play that one. I've heard good things about it, but so, for you to tell me that it's one of your favorite Mario or not Mario, it's like, okay, wow, that's huge. I gotta it play is it. so good. The final boss battle is hard no matter like at what age. I, I thought I was super hard when I beat it when I was like eight. But when I beat it when I was like 28, it was just as hard. Okay, like it was like it was very hard, and I had leveled up, and I had done all the things you're supposed to with RPGs. And there's still a couple of fights throughout that game that are just like wow, like this is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, definitely go back check that one out. It's on the uh, the Super NES uh, little the the mini that they put out uh, that yeah. was like 60 bucks. It's yeah. on that, but it's on that box. Ooh, I got to play it because I have it. There you go. I know what you're doing this weekend, Sandy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but moving, uh, we're going to pick up the pace here a little bit. We are going to talk about, uh, I think, Super Mario 64 is definitely worth talking about, especially since they re-released as part of, of the 35-year uh, uh, celebration anniversary collection, um, which I did pick up uh, that I've been playing with the kids. Uh, oh, they've had a good time. Uh, no one's really enjoying playing Super Mario 64. Uh, he is really enjoying uh, a title that we'll get to uh, a little bit uh, called Super Mario Sunshine. And uh, Galaxy is a little bit more difficult for him. Uh, he's four, so you know that kind of the, the gravity mechanic and things gets a little bit tricky. He gets tricky on me, so I can't really fault him for that. Um, but Super Mario 64 was no, the huge. innovation of the decade we had a full-on 3d platformer and it was awesome i I remember the hype when i was little and it was like this was just on a whole nother level this was what the future was like and it was like holy shit the future is here it's right now it's with the super nintendo 64 it's with super mario 64 and i remember when i first turned on that game and and i i can Picture myself back playing that and seeing the very first world where you kind of, oh my gosh, it it just it yeah. takes you back and it was a it monumental does. moment in gaming and technology and uh, pop culture. Yeah, I mean, without that, we don't get probably the way that they did Ocarina of Time <laughs> later on. Um, without that, we don't get you know fill in the blank, right? So. Um, we get that game. It's huge. It's pivotal. I will say they just emulated it for the Switch. It's not a port. They didn't clean anything up. It's just as is right into it, uh, for better or worse. it's There's some controls that are a little slippy. I would have mm-hmm. loved it if they would have fixed the camera some. Um, but, you know, that's, 20, yeah. that's a 2020 <laughs> problem. That wasn't a problem in 96. In 96, we're like, we can move the camera. Oh, my God. Like it and was, now it's like, whoa, chill out, camera. <laughs> right, exactly. And then it's like zooming in and zooming out. And it's like, okay, easy there, guy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of skip some of the repeats, that, you know, because we have a Mario Kart 64. 
Um, but then we do have uh, Mario Party is a huge game. Um, and then, so with uh, the Super Mario RPG, you also have this now this idea that Nintendo has, okay, we do RPGs with Mario. And in 2000, on the Nintendo 64, we get Paper Mario. Um, which I love Paper Mario. Paper Mario, I loved the first one. And with every subsequent Paper Mario, they've tried to do some different battle tactic. Um, some have worked, some haven't. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you, what's, what's your relationship with Paper Mario here, Sandy? I would not be able to tell you which ones were which. I can't recall which ones I played. Sure, but they kind of run together. I was having so much fun, and I, huh? Yeah, exactly. They all kind of just blend in. I have, I have, I feel like I have terrible memory, but it was just so fun. It was just, God, I really couldn't tell you specifics on it though. My goodness, there was, I think it was the very first one that I that I played that I have more memories of, but I just thought it was just so cool, and and you know we saw that kind of throwback when it came to. Um, the Legend of Zelda, which is the one that they did for the 3DS, where he turns into a painting. What was that one called? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, the name of that one is, uh, is escaping me, but I know exactly the one you're talking about. The dark and light one. and Yeah, I didn't play that one because I, I didn't do a whole lot with the 3DS. <gasps> um, but, oh. yeah, I know. I, it's one I, I definitely plan on going and uh, checking out again. So good. But it just, it's just so innovative. So much fun. And you said that was recent. Yeah. What year? I thought it came out way later. Paper Mario was 2000. 2000. Oh shit! Yeah, I don't so, know why I thought it was much later in the in the timeline. So there was one on the GameCube also later on, but the original Paper Mario did release on the Nintendo sixty four, um, right, right, right up against the end of the sixty four's run, um, because it, that was two thousand. The GameCube came out in two thousand and one, and like we mentioned with this innovation, um, and we won't talk a lot about it a lot because it's not his birthday, um, but the GameCube launched with Luigi's Mansion. Um, which was a, a really interesting choice um, because it wasn't Mario. It was a launch title that wasn't Mario. What is this? We've been conditioned to think that when a system comes out from Nintendo, here comes your Mario game, and now we get a Luigi game. Uh, but I'll mention that to say, hey, you know what? It was awesome. You know, Luigi. You know, the, oh the perver- Luigi was the stand-in for us second oldest kid. Okay, like we we <laughs> lived vicariously through Luigi. That was a huge moment. Oh. Dude, but, you know, I I love that game so much. I it played good. it nonstop until I beat it. Did you ever play the? You know, I guess you didn't play the 3DS one, did you? I didn't. Mm-mm. Oh, I know. I missed so a lot fun. of really good titles on the 3DS. So, I have like five 3DSs because every time they release a special edition Zelda one, I would I bought it. <laughs> I would be one of those freaks who would wake up at two in the morning, get in line at Target call the store as soon as they opened to make sure they had enough for the people that were in line. And if they didn't, I'd go to another store to try to get it. So if you ever need to borrow a 3DS, I have like five. <laughs> well, you know, I might have to hit you up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, before we talk about uh, Sunshine, uh, which of course is another hugely innovative game, we get this huge run on of Mario and friends playing sports. Um, do you have oh. a, do you have a favorite Mario uh, sports game? Cause I, I, and this started on the 64. Uh, but what's your favorite Mario sports game? Uh, tennis, I think. Yep, that's. I mean, that's the one to go. I, I, I was, Mario, yeah. Mario Tennis on the sixty four is my all time favorite Mario sports game. I know he's yeah. played soccer. They played golf. They played, you know, <laughs> fill in, oh, you know, fill in the thing. It is, but I mean, I, I think the tennis is is probably, uh, in my opinion, that's the supreme. And we actually, 
and, and I didn't mention this earlier, there was a Mario Tennis well before the Nintendo 64 had Mario Tennis, and that was on the Virtual Boy, which we don't talk about on this podcast because we try to stay positive. Um, but the virtual, <laughs> but the Virtual Boy did launch with Mario Tennis. Oh my God! Speaking I of Nintendo to... trying to innovate with Mario. <laughs> hey man, it was ahead of its time. Do not talk smack on them. No, no, very. It's too far ahead of its time. Um, too far. Somebody but... time traveled. And came yeah. back, but now it's the time. And then, nope, no, it's not the time, sir. <laughs> I think Shigeru Miyamoto might be a time traveler, but hey, you know. Right? You never know. Um, we get Super Mario Sunshine as kind of your your pivotal uh, Mario game on the GameCube that was actually starring Mario as the playable character. I never played this one until the anniversary collection came out, and I was helping Nolan figure it out. So I've still not played through it. Um, it's a very interesting game. It really is. The mechanics are really kind of interesting how you have to, you know, fill up your little, I mean, oh, I'm trying to, it's been a long time since I played it, but I just remember having so much fun with the little, God, what's it called? The little jetpack thing that he has? Yeah. yeah. What you actually call it the game? Is it called a? It's not called okay. a jetpack. It's called no. something else. Um, but you know what's funny is, like, as I'm watching uh, Nolan play it, uh, it's called the flood, the flash liquidizer ultra dousing device. Um, because, <laughs> you know, that just absolutely should not have a title that long. Um, but when I was watching Nolan play it, the first thing I noticed was in the opening cutscene, the planes flying into the island. The island itself is shaped like a dolphin, um, which, of course, the GameCube yeah. was known as Project Dolphin uh, when it was in production. So I thought that was a cool kind of callback there. Um, and then. Um, I feel like Super Mario Sunshine, in a lot of ways, influenced uh, Splatoon. That that kind of uh, that's kind of spray away uh, gameplay. As I'm watching him play it, I'm like, huh, you don't think that's? I mean, this is Splatoon, but it's enemies instead of Dude, against each other. Stop! I never put the two and two together, and I love Splatoon. Splatoon's great, uh, and and it just kind of was like one of those things that like kind of clicked in my head. I'm like, oh. That's this is where I've seen this before. <laughs> so, uh, I would have never thought about that. That's funny. Splatoon to me was just so next level, and it was a brand new IP. And Nintendo had kind of gotten into the funk of just doing their Mario's, their Zelda's, their you know their their franchises. And then yeah. when when the Wii U came out, and it's a whole brand new IP, and it was Nintendo's version of a, a first person shooter, but not really because it was just. And I was like, yes. And I, I, I absolutely love that game. But that's, that's such a good call out. I would have never put the two and two together. Yeah. I just, you know, maybe not like directly, but definitely like a, you know, a the spiritual predecessor. It, yeah. yeah. So um, we get kind of a dry spell for Mario after that. We see Mario parties always released Mario basketball, Mario this, Mario that. Um, and we really don't get a another Mario game that is like the pivotal Mario game until Super Mario Galaxy in 2007. So five years after the release of Super Mario Sunshine, we get Super Mario Galaxy. And this game was, uh, again, pushing that envelope of what was possible with the Wii hardware. Uh, it's a beautiful looking game. Um, and also mixing in motion controls with um your deep pad to play your mario game and the gravity mechanics i, I don't know i mean how much did you get to play 
uh, with Mario Galaxy uh, in 07 and then Mario Galaxy 2 in 2010? Not very much. I remember I played Super Mario Sunshine, Galaxy. I don't know what happened. I, I remember... I remember some cutscenes, and I don't know if it's because I went on YouTube and watched somebody play it, or if I started but just never actually played it. <laughs> you know, right? I don't yeah, know if I your brain you. ever does that. We like, did I play it? Or did I watch somebody else play it? But no, I don't. I don't All think I ever really got too deep into Super Mario Galaxy, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, you know, if you get the uh, 35th uh, anniversary collection, it does have Mario Galaxy One on there. Um, they only did the three games. Um, but they also have the three soundtracks from the games uh, on there, too, that you can just play oh. in the background. And that's pretty sweet. Oh, um, I love that. And, of course, you know, this whole time, too, by the way, uh, Super Smash Brothers is going on. I only mentioned that passingly because uh, it's not necessarily a Mario game. But he is, of course, a playable character in it. Um, with uh, the Wii, we also get new Super Mario Brothers Wii, which goes back to your traditional platformer um, with a couple and of little wrinkles. Correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but wasn't there a new Super Mario Brothers that came out before Super Mario Galaxy? Was that for the DS? Mm, I'm looking. No. I'm, I'm wondering, I'm like, no? Okay. They they started porting a lot of the older games to the 3DS right. and the DS as different things. So Super Mario 3D Land, of course, was a, a more original one. That came out in 2011, uh, so we're getting pretty much to that one right now. Um, but, you know, uh, you see a lot of, of interesting things. Mario and Luigi, Bowser's Inside Stories, an RPG. Um, mm. There's, you know, Mario parties out the ass. I mean, every <laughs> every year there's a Mario party. Uh, you get, they were so uh, fun at first. Yeah, and then, of course, you know, once the Sega stuff started kind of releasing and you started seeing Se- uh, Sonic on stuff, you start getting Mario and Sonic at the uh, at the Olympic Games. You know, you I get Sydney and you get London. And you get, I mean, I never played them either. I didn't really have any any reason to, because um, mm-hmm. they were full price games, and I wasn't going to pay full price for a collection of mini games. No, and I feel like it was just more like the, the younger audience. That's what kind of Nintendo, you know, yeah. the, the core fans that grew up with them were like, all right, these are kiddie games. Give me something more substantial. Right, exactly, and, and you know that just didn't didn't really come that way. Um, but there are are two more titles I really want to hit, um, and that is uh, Super Mario Maker and Mario Odyssey. Um, Mario Maker I didn't play until uh, Nolan came to me one day. And I was like, Dad, I really want to get Mario Maker because he was watching some YouTube you know, people that he always watches and they were playing it. And I was like, oh, that kind of sounds cool. Um, and then I wound up getting it for him as like a milestone thing. Like, okay, man, you did this. Awesome. Here's Mario maker. Go have fun. And it is quite literally an infinity amount of fun. You can constantly make levels, play everyone else's levels. Uh, and if you see people play this game online, uh, on Twitch or on YouTube, they make these like death levels that you have to do everything mm. right. It's insane. Mm. Yeah, I don't. That's just stressful <laughs> for me watching it, Sandy. I just <laughs> yes, I feel the same way. I've seen just little short clips on like uh, Twitter or something, and I'm like, excuse me, what? I think that's why I haven't gotten Mario Maker. To be honest, I'm like, right. the I'm stress sorry, level. am I supposed yeah. to be going <laughs> to pass those levels? That's not happening. 
Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely different. It's definitely challenging. Um, and it, but it, you know, like I said, just just creating your own Mario level is just pretty cool. Um, and then you know, being able to just log in to the you know database and pull down whoever you know people that have way more time on their hands than I do have made a, b- a better level than I could have. Um, so that's always fun. Um, but yeah, and then the, you know, the last one, uh, and then we'll just kind of give like our favorites. Um, the last big title uh, that we've gotten uh, is a really good one. It's Super Mario Odyssey. Tell me, how did you play that when it first came out? I got it, I believe the day it came out. And I absolutely love this game. It is, I mean, I talk about Super Mario World being perfect. This one is next to perfect. I think there's some weird little quirks um, with with Cappy that I didn't like as much as I thought I would. Uh, mm. Controlling a T-Rex with Mario's hat is kind of a weird uh, out, out of the box idea. That was so bizarre. <laughs> um, but, or, you know, being a stack of Goombas or, you know, whatever thing that you wind up doing. Um, it was interesting. And I liked the 3D to 2D thing, which they, you know, they talked, you talked about, they did that kind of first in that Zelda game on the 3DS. Uh, I thought it flowed really well here. Um, but really I I thought a fantastic game and a a beautiful looking game too. It was such a beautiful game. I remember I, I I don't know why I did this because I never do anything with the screenshots, but that screenshot feature on the Switch, I'm like, oh yeah, beautiful. I love it. I just like a bunch of pictures (laughs) just for no reason because then I won't even go look at them later. But it was such a beautiful game. The little storyline to me at the end was I, I got kind of lost, I think. What happened with the wedding? Who married who? What was happening? I was just too involved in, <laughs> in all the shit that was going on in that game because, you know, you have the – when they're in New York City and then they do the, the show, the music. Was that at the end? Was that right at the end? Or was uh, that – I believe it was. Man. It's been a while now that – you know, but yeah. I believe that was right there at the end. There was a lot happening. <laughs> It's a lot yeah, happening. There's, there's so, so many different levels. I mean, like, uh, New Donk City is about as cool of a level of, of, of any game that I've ever played. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, it's just pushing the boundaries of innovation. Mario has been the most flexible it's character, uh, really, in, in video game history in the different types of games he's been in, the different gameplay mechanics he's been a part of. Uh, you know, we're not talking about even – we didn't touch on Smash Brothers much. We didn't touch on – you know, some of the other games he makes appearances in. Um, but, I mean, 35 years of playing console-based uh, Mario, Sandy. Um, I'm going to see if we can if we can do this quickly, what your top three Mario games are. Super Mario 64, Super Mario World, uh, Yoshi's Island. Wow, all right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, it's uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 on the NES. It is Super Mario 64. And then the uh, best one is uh, Super Mario World. Um, oh. If I'm talking strictly true Mario games, true to point, best Mario games. Uh, honorable mention, of course, to uh, Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars, which feels more like a Final Fantasy Super Nintendo game than it does a Mario game. Uh, and that's why I don't include it in my top three Mario games. But it is one of my, my top five favorite games of all time to go back and play. I can play it countless times, and you should too. Um, I, but I, I, that about wraps yay. it up. Uh, happy birthday, Mario Mario. Happy birthday, Mario. Uh, to Mario Mario. God, I, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but Sandy, you're back. Great to do another episode with you. Um, so good to be back. Why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, remind the, the kind folks uh, what your uh, social media tags are while I pull up the rest of the things that I'm supposed to say. Of course. So you guys can follow me on Twitter at Sailor Zelda. Um, you can follow our 8-Bit Suplex page at 8-Bit Suplex. Pretty straightforward. You can find me on Instagram at Sandy Gaviria. I need to change that. My last name's kind of hard to spell out, but you can find me on there. <laughs> Josh, on to you, sir. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Laughlin underscore Josh. Uh, you can, of course, uh, follow us on uh, our uh, podcast network on all the social medias at Social Suplex. Uh, you can head on over to proswrestlingtees.com slash social suplex. Pick up your favorite shirt uh, from your favorite show on the network or just the Social Suplex Podcast Network shirt. Uh, or, you know what? Uh, we have an 8-Bit Suplex uh, t-shirt on there. Uh, I am the proud owner of one. Colleen is a proud owner of one. I know we've sold at least one other one um, with a friend of I yours. One. You bought one. We're selling t-shirts like they're hotcakes. <laughs> head on over to prowrestlingtees.com slash social suplex. Uh, get one of your shirts uh, there today. Ours is white, so if you're sick of having black wrestling t-shirts, because that's what 99% of them are, ours is nice and light and breezy, and you won't uh, swelter out of it on a hot summer day. Um, Speaking of the shirts, I want to give a shout-out to Carson, my buddy. So I used to work with him at Best Buy out here showing us some support. Yeah. He is actually a part of the, a band called Deviate the Plan out of Florida. Check him out. Thank you so much for the support, Carson, if you're listening. And for buying the shirt. Hell yeah, you're awesome. I got to go check. We got to go to check out his show. Maybe we'll do a, a double yeah. date with Colleen and Logan. Yeah, Maybe that he sounds like... talk about nipple. But, uh, I don't know. That will be the topic of conversation. Um, but, you know, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, Eric we'll see. nipples. <laughs> we'll see how the, uh, how the adult beverages go that day. Um, but... Seriously, uh, subscribe to our show, give it five stars, uh, give us a review, subscribe to the network uh, feed, check out all the shows. We got One Nation Radio, Keeping a Strong Style, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, uh, we got uh, All Things Elite, we got Grown Men Watch This Shit, we got Grave Consequences. I know I'm missing, I gotta be missing one because we have a million shows now. They're all great. Um, so much content, maybe, so much awesome entertainment on the awesome, social awesome content. Network. And actually, I didn't miss a single one, Sandy. So I'm going to give myself a, oh. a, a pat on the back. Uh, except now no. that I said that, I did remember that I did one, and that's a great match uh, generator uh, with Danny. Uh, definitely check that one out too. Um, they we release uh, pretty much a podcast every day of the week on this network. So make sure you subscribe to the network feed as well. Um, I think. Oh. One more item of business, Sandy, and this is something that Dan and I did last week. Dan has a giveaway package uh, for the listeners. All you have to do is suggest a video game topic to us via email, social or at um, 8bitsuplex at gmail.com, uh, or you can just shoot us a note on Twitter at, uh, at 8bitsuplex and just say, hey, I want to suggest you cover this video game topic. It could be a game. It could be a system. It could be an era, a genre. Just suggest it, and that interests you to win. Uh, so far, we have zero entries. So if you send us an idea, you got a pretty good shot to win. Uh, it is a, a Scarecrow Funko Pop from the Arkham series uh, video games. Whoa. It is a 2018 Batman calendar 
uh, which, you know, it's outdated, but it's got some cool artwork on it. Um, and then also a Kurt Angle, a former Impact World Championship, holder uh, action figure. So oh. uh, pretty good prize package there. Definitely take advantage of that. Send us a suggestion. Uh, so on Wednesday mornings and Thursday mornings, we don't have to text each other and go, what are we talking about this week? Uh, so we'd love <laughs> to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Um, and uh, before I sign off, Sandy, you got anything else? Nope, I think we're good. Thank you so much, guys, for your support and for listening and for your support. Why you already said that? <laughs> Josh, <laughs> yeah, I'm tired. Hey, no, I know we went too late again, Sandy. Oh my goodness! But you know, we just start talking. We start talking. <laughs> we said before the thing, like, all right, man, 45 minutes on impact, and we'll just talk wrestler. We're talking about Mario for just a little bit, um, and now as nope. we've creeped over, uh, creeping close to to about uh, an hour 45 here. Uh, and we're still under two hours, which compared to last week with Dan and I, which is almost three hours, we did do a much better job keeping it in time. Um, but now that it's after 1 a.m., Sandy, I think it's time to, uh, of course, uh, bid everyone adieu. Um, and uh, we'll see you all uh, next week with uh, the results of Victory Road and whatever video game topic somebody suggests. Hell yes. See you guys next week. Thanks so much. Bye, Josh. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.